Here we are, right now. Back at it again, with some more words to share. It has been a while since I've released an episode here, and maybe later on in the episode I'll give a personal update. But right now I'd like to talk about an old thing that really has been around since any of us have been around. It's one of those things that comes up in a lot of different ways throughout life. And it's called many different things, and it follows people with many varying intensities. And in a way, it's something that we all contend with, and it's something we all have to confront, something we all have, and it's just the struggle, the struggle of being a human, the realization that you're here and you have to do something. And the way I've been thinking about this recently, and the way I'd like to talk about it today, is with three general sort of pictures. And these three things, these three, I'm almost saying levels, but I don't want to say levels. These sort of archetypes or profiles, these sort of areas of life, are always sort of in balance with each other. They're always sort of there whether we're aware of them or not. And they appear as micro moments as well as macro phenomenons. And I'll expand on that a little bit later on as well. But in a nutshell, the way I think about it is there's basically three versions of you. There's three ways in which you can live. And they are as follows as I like to call them. One is in your lower self. Another is in your higher self. And the third is what I call the superhuman or the superman, the superhero. And all of these basically mean what they appear to mean. But it's very easy to fall into cartoons with this because our real life experience is not a cartoon. Our real life decisions is not a cartoon. They're of real consequence. They're of real detriment or benefit to how we are living on this planet. So let me flesh out these pictures a bit. I'm sure you've got a bit of an idea of what you think for yourself when you think lower self, higher self, and Superman. But let me talk about what it means to me. Let me share what I've been thinking about and what my experiences of these things are. And this is, this is just how I think about it. This is just how I have it bouncing around in my head, considering recent life events and, of course, telling myself certain things 
or telling yourself certain things in your mind can be a game of its own, right? It can be a trap of its own. It can be a sort of hamster on the running wheel, mouse on the running wheel sort of situation where you've got something going around and around in your head and it's not actually penetrating into your life. But that aside, I'd like to share, well, this is how I think about it. So the lower self, the lower self is your dark side. The lower self is the side of you that you'd rather not have in a certain way. And for me, that means addiction. It means junk food. It means immediate gratification. It means putting off responsibility. Not keeping things in order. It means being lazy. It means screen time. It means distraction and being unaware. Now, when we get into these things like distraction and unawareness... They're a little bit more personal. They're more about the kind of phenomena of what it means to be me, of what it's like to be me. When we're talking about eating junk food or avoiding responsibilities or immediate gratification or impulse, they're more behaviors. They're more the actions. So we can divide these pictures, the lower self, the higher self and the superhuman into the behavioral exterior sort of actions that we see someone doing and then also the interior the subjective feeling like what does it actually feel like what does it actually have going on as a sensation as a phenomenon in your experience of reality in your body in your perceptions in your nervous system in your respiratory system And all the rest of it. And the thing about the lower self, the thing about all these bad things that we have and we do, like junk food and addiction, is that there's actually something good in them. There's something that we like about them. There's something that's being gratified when we indulge in those things. That's the tricky thing. That's where the war comes. That's where the self-confliction is born. Because we do these terrible things. And we think, oh yeah, that's so good. And then we wake up from it. And there's the regret. There's the, oh, why do I do this? Oh, what did I do that for? Oh, I wish I hadn't have done that. Oh, I feel terrible now because I've done that. And of course, it's not always that simple it's not always that clear to us because many of the time we don't actually know why it is that we're so messed up that we're in such a pickle that we're feeling so bad so even to be clear to yourself what your bad habits are and what the effect of them is is a strong suit it's a very powerful thing to know about yourself And, of course, in this situation, knowing is different to thinking it. Because you can think a certain food is bad for you. You can tell yourself 
that you shouldn't eat it, and yet your behavior will go ahead and be contrary to that thought. And what's missing is the phenomenon. What's missing is the feeling. What's missing is the experience. And the mind, the thoughts, the dialogue inside the skull between the ears has this sort of mismatch between what it's saying and the behaviours that are going on. So that's the lower self. That's a little bit about that. And of course, everyone has their own ways in which that manifests in the world. And it's quite curious that you can ask anyone what are some of the lesser things they do, and they would be able to answer you. Of course, it would be different for every person, and it would be a question that you'd have to phrase in a different way or different, you know, it wouldn't just be, what are the, what are the lesser things that you do? I mean, that's just one way of wording. It's like, what, what are the bad things that you've done? What are the things that you regret? What are the things that you don't like about yourself? What are the things that you, and so on. But even that question can reveal something about anyone. And that's quite remarkable that we all have something in us that knows something is wrong, that something is bad. And this is not to bring in morality. This is not to bring in a kind of sense of what's right and wrong in the world in a moralistic sense. The, the, the moralizing is, is really just this idea of your place in the world and how the world is. What I mean here, what I mean more immediately, is the personal things. The things that are in direct proximity to you. Like we can say, well, yeah, famine is bad. Poverty is bad. These are bad things. And if we follow that conversation, we get into morality. But if we say, what are the bad things that you do? What is the lower version of you? What is the lesser version of you? What is the selfish, impulsive, dark, addicted version of you? Well, that's the lower self. That's the immediate proximity to you, which has nothing to do with moralizing. So the higher self, if we can contrast that from the lower self, is, well, quite obvious, right? Eating healthy, exercise, meditation, work, cleaning, reading books, studying and learning. You're focused. You're doing positive affirmations. You're energized. And these are just a few that come to mind. These are just a few examples that are resonating with me personally. And really, the higher self is always just a, a step away from the lower self. It's like that old cartoon of the devil on the shoulder and the angel on the other. 
My higher self is the one that says, you know what, I'm not going to have this piece of junk food. You know what, I am just going to focus on my work. You know what, I am going to clean up that something that I needed to clean up. You know what, I am going to step up to that responsibility that is going to be actually quite painful, quite uncomfortable. And you notice here that in the higher self, there's something we don't like. Just like there's something we like in the lower self, there's something that's being gratified in the lower self, there's something that's being hurt in the higher self. There's something that's being encroached upon, almost like we're being violated. We have to give something up. We have to sacrifice something to step into the higher self. But of course, afterwards, you feel much better. There is no regret in stepping into the higher self. There is, oh, I'm really glad I did that. There is, damn, that was a good choice. I should do that more often. And the higher self isn't rocket science. It's not hard to work it out. Because if you ask anybody... What are some of the good things you do? What are some of the things that are good for you that you have done before? Then they can answer you. Just like they can answer, what are some of the bad things? Now, of course, I see again when I ask that question that this whole thing of morality wants to pop up. Like, what are, what are the good things that I've done? Oh, well, I've helped an old lady cross the street. Oh, I've given to charity. Oh, I've done this. I've done that. These sorts of things. But that's the wrong idea. That's the wrong idea. Because that's moralizing. That's a sense of what is right and wrong in the world. That's a sense of values. And what I mean by the higher self is experiential. It's not psychological. Addiction as a part of the lower self is about the feeling that the substance gives you. It's got nothing to do with psychology or moralizing. And conversely, letting go of addiction is the higher self in the sense that it is immediate, in the sense that it is about the feeling. It's about the sensation that happens. It's about the phenomenon that occurs, irregardless of what you're thinking. You can think any old thing from a feeling, from an experience, from a sensation. The body can have all sorts of things happen to it. And really, psychology is just an afterthought. Psychology is the second part to that. And of course, it doesn't appear to be that way most of the time because we have our minds running 24-7. They go non-stop. But it's not rocket science. The higher self really is, really is so simple. Like eating healthy, Meditation, exercise, work, 
studying. These sorts of things are, in in some ways, so cliche to bring up. They seem they seem sort of hollow, right? It's like, like how do you, how do you just how do you really get that without it turning into a sort of pep talk about oh you can do it yes go do the good thing and the answer is to be personal the answer is to really look at it in the way it is for you and make it intimately personal make it intimately personal in such a way that only you know it Only you know the feeling that you get when you step into your higher self. Just like you only know the feeling when you relapse into an addiction. And it might be that you can get good at describing those feelings. And that's a good psychology. That's a good expression. That's a, a valuable skill to have. But really, you must be aware of it in such a way that you know that there's no real way to describe it. There's no, there's no real way to express how you're feeling. Which means, of course, there's no real way to think about it. You have to be sensing your feelings rather than trying to understand them by talking about them to yourself inside your head with thoughts. You really must learn that. You really must learn to sense your feelings. So that's the higher self and the lower self. And really, that's uh, I thought of this character in Harry Potter, which was the little house elf, Dobby. And he's sort of funny. I don't know if you remember the entrance of the cat character, Dobby the house elf, in Harry Potter. Basically, he turns up at Harry Potter's house. And it turns out that he's been meddling in Harry's business and Harry is so angry with him. He's been messing up all of his friendships. And it turns out that the elf was only trying to help. And the funny thing is that this elf picks up this, you know, he picks up like a lantern or something or a chair. And he says, bad, bad Dobby, bad elf. And he starts hitting himself over the head. He starts punishing himself. And, and Harry's like, wait, no. What are you doing? Stop that. This is this is nonsense. You don't need to do that. And then the elf does something else and he says something bad and he starts punishing himself again. And then, of course, he says again that, well, I was trying to help. I was trying to do the right thing. I was trying to do the good thing. He was trying to step into his higher self. And, of course, for us, us readers, us looking on in the story, we see that well, he's just like a dog chasing his tail. He's sort of got this guilt and this sort of motivation and it's just conflicting against himself and he's just hurting himself. And it's going around and around and it's 
so unnecessary and it's so much back and forth. If he could just if he could just stop and look at himself in the mirror, he would see that he's going back and forth with himself so frequently that he should just wait until the guilt passes before he needed to punish himself. He wouldn't need to punish himself. So that's a <laughs> that's a very funny character who has this struggle of the lower self and the higher self. Now, for us common folk who are not house elves or whatever the creature is in Harry Potter, we still have that back and forth. It plays out in a much more subtle way. It plays out in the story of our lives. And yet it's still there. It's still something we need to see. And if we could just wait, I wager that it's the same with Dobby as it is with us. If we just wait, we just sense the right way to go about things, then we'd have a clearer picture of it. We'd have a clearer ability to distinguish between the higher self and the lower self. And now we come to the Superman. So the Superman is something completely different. The Superman is, oh man, like, the, the Superman is supernatural. The Superman defies the laws of physics and nature. I mean, look at all the superheroes. They all have some superpower which in real life wouldn't work. Something like flying or super strength or something, right? And that's, that's exactly what the superhuman is like. And this is so far beyond the higher self. It's astronomical. It's just, it's just something so out of this world. And I wish I could remember it more often, <laughs> actually. And maybe we'll get to that. But basically, the superhuman, here's, here's some of the qualities that I've written as a kind of introduction. So the superhuman is stone-cold sober. The superhuman does hardcore spiritual practice. So that's a cut above just meditation. I'm talking hardcore spiritual practice. The superhuman also does hardcore therapy. The superhuman is alert and aware. They have increased perception, ecstasy. They embrace any challenge and they embrace any problem and they have infinite ecstasy. And really the superhuman is the one that's aware of both the higher self and the lower self. Now think about it. When you're in your lower self, when you're indulging in your addictions and your bad habits, you have the feeling that goes with that. You're in that feeling. 
and your vision, your judgment, is clouded. That's all addiction is. It's clouded judgment. You know it's bad for you, but you don't really know. You can't see how it's bad for you. So you're delusional. And when you're in your higher self, well, you feel, you feel good, right? You feel motivated. You feel upbeat. You feel like, I can do it. You feel like things are going pretty well, right? It's easy to make a good decision when you feel good. It's easy to do the right thing when you feel all right. But the superhuman goes beyond this because the superhuman can see, ah, things were really bad. Things felt really bad in the lower self. And this higher self that may be here now, well, this will pass too. This can pass too. This is something that I might not necessarily always have. I can't rely on this feeling good to do the right thing. And this is something that comes when you've sensed your feelings. When you've sensed your feelings enough to be able to see how they are connected. Both the highs and the lows. And another way to look at the superhuman is that, well, actually, they don't do things that are on the surface that outrageous. It's not like they're flying around all over the place, really. Not really. And yet, these things are as amazing and as supernatural as flying. Things like being happy. Things like being positive. Things like having a difficult conversation with a friend to resolve an issue. Things like giving up a personal comfort for someone else. And even just take one of these, even just take one like being happy. Being cheerful. Now the superhuman pulls that off. They really know how to do that. Now of course you can't fake it, right? You can just force yourself to be cheerful. But therein lies the difference. Because the superhuman is the one who... They're not faking. It's not like they're sitting there, Oh, this is a terrible situation, but I must... Oh, I must remain positive. No, not at all. The superhuman is still real. They're still sure of their feelings. They're still experiencing the bad times, the dark times. And yet, they can remain positive. Somehow nothing seems to get them down. And it really is just amazing to meet one of these people. And I would say that I've been lucky enough to 
actually be able to experience the superhuman. I've been very lucky. Because most people don't. Most people can't. Most people are never given the opportunity to even to even sample the superhuman. You have to have, first of all, a whole lot of motivation to do the work. You have to do the work in discovering what it means. You have to do the work in discovering how to get there. You have to do the work in organizing the set of conditions under which that might happen. You have to do the work of actually functioning in those set of conditions correctly, which is very much to chance. And yet, if you can, even just to get a sample of it, just for a few moments, just for a few days, maybe even just for a few hours, then you'll see that there's a world of difference between the Superman and the higher self or the regular life. And if you think back to our character of Dobby the house elf, you realize that in Harry Potter, he's got a critical role. He ends up saving the day. And he does do superhuman things. He does do amazing things. He actually breaks into the bad guys when they've captured Harry and his friends. And and Dobby the house elf, well, he saves the day. And it's this glorious, hugely heroic act that he does. It's this amazing thing. And yet it's also from that same thing that he had at the very beginning, which was, oh, he's trying to save the day, right? At the very beginning, he was trying to save the day, and it was all going wrong for him. It's just a big mess. And yet in the end, he was trying to save the day, and then there was something else going on. And I wager that that moment when he saved the day was when he was in his element. It was when he was the superhuman or the super elf, the super magical creature. <laughs> and the other thing about all of these, the lower self and the higher self and the superhuman, is that it's actually quite hard to really sense them because you can only be one thing at once. Have you ever noticed that? You can, only, you can only ever be what you are now. You can only ever be in the mood that you are now. And there is a literature on superhuman methods. There is a whole way of processes that we can go through to bring people to that. And really, that's that's just what meditation is. That's what meditation, in a, in a sense, should be. And yet it's so often forgotten, right? We think of meditation as oh, like exercise and eating an apple, right? Oh, oh I ate an apple, I, I did some chin-ups, and I was meditating. 
And yet somehow something is completely wrong with that. Something, something is very wrong with equating meditation and spiritual practices with those sort of things. Because really, these meditative practices, these spiritual practices, are actually for something glorious. They're actually for something so far out of this world you can't even imagine. And of course it's easy to forget. It's so easy to forget and to fall down. I have to remind myself. I have to remind myself very often. And I can speak passionately about these things, but how I live up to them is very different. So, yeah. I don't know I don't know how much I really need to share at the moment about my own story. I mean all I can say is that I've had a really bad few months and it's been really difficult on every level emotionally, spiritually, behaviorally, situationally, relationally and of course, I need to pet myself up. I need to get back at it. There is something in remembering the glory, remembering just like the ecstasy, the love, the freedom, the magnificence. It's just, it's just magnificence. That's what the superhuman is. And I have met people, I have known people who have learnt to live as the superhuman. And these are some extraordinary, extraordinary human beings. And they are rare. Make no mistake about it. These are not your common folk. So I will share just one thing that has helped me. And this is the real, the real thing that has helped me get back out, back on track. And this will be the practical application of today's episode. And it's very simple and yet very powerful, very powerful. And the technique or the method, the advice, I guess you could say, for today is to abstain. So this whole thing of lower self, higher self and superhuman, it might seem a little bit tricky, like, well, how do I, how do I know what is lower self, higher self? How do I really sense what is good for me, what is bad for me? Maybe I'm not ready for sensing those things and what are all these spiritual practices that are meant to bring me to taste the superhuman? And all of that you can put aside if you just do this one simple thing, which is abstaining. 
abstain, which means do not do what is bad for you. Just pick a couple of things and say, I'm not going to do that. Doesn't matter what else you do at this stage. Just don't do those things. Don't do those things. And really, I have a lot to say about abstaining or renunciation. We could, we could call it. It's it's basically just just not doing something, quitting something. There is a lot to it, but I'll keep it simple. I'll keep it plain. If you want to navigate the lower self, the higher self, and the superhuman. Simply don't do the things that are bad for you. And of course, learn to sense your feelings. Learn to know the difference between what your mind is telling you and what you're experiencing in your body. And of course, do your practices. Develop your routine. Develop your work and all the rest of it. But just... Remember that there are certain things you have to stop doing. And if you just stop them, you just 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 stop. Just don't do them anymore. And that will go a long way to help. And that's really helped me. That's what I'm focusing on at the moment. So that's the lower self. The, the higher self, and the superhuman. So, thanks very much for tuning in. My name is Dosta, and that's all I have to say for now. <laughs>